Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. I'm already recording, but I haven't done it in my official intro. Oh, great. Which is very so, important. Well, is, I mean, again, we have to do the fake Canadian uh, flute noise to mm-hmm. open it, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Are we both doing it? <laughs> do you want to do it? Uh, we're trying to do it at the I'm same down. time. We can try. All right. You're going to know better than I do. I mean, it's just. Should we practice it first? Sure. I believe it is. Yeah. But to kind of hit the notes, you got to kind of do it real loud. Right. Because it's in a falsetto. What if you do it first? And then and that's you'll it. try. Okay. And that's, oh, that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fuck it up. I, I did not grow up with this. I'm familiar with it. Don't get me wrong. Is it, am I on? Is, oh, is yeah. Mic? Okay, yeah, good. I've played with this on. mic too much. I'm worried I'm going to hit the switch. It's okay. I've broken upwards of 30 Nerd Melt showroom mic stands. So. <laughs> um, all right. <clears throat> I'll try to do this. Mm-hmm. Wide, wide. All right. Cool. <laughs> I almost did too high. We'll, we'll, we'll do that, though. Okay. We'll stick with it. Sure. Cool. That was definitely like a, a, an octave too high. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if, if you know, if my neighbors didn't wonder why people are constantly coming and going from this, like it's weirder now that somebody just did that because <laughs> you could hear it echoing in the heater, and I know that my my very nice na- downstairs and old downstairs neighbors totally heard that. I, that makes hopefully me they're SCTV fans. I hope so. My God, uh, the year is 1981. The album is a Great White North. The artist is Bob and Doug McKenzie, aka Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. My guest is Dan Telfer. Hi. Hi. Thank you for doing this. Of course. Um, so, uh, why'd you pick this album? I've listened to it probably more than any other comedy album. Like, I was just, t- I, I just told you, like, I, it took me a second to realize we could do non stand up albums for mm-hmm. this podcast. Sure. But, uh, but then I was like, oh, you did, uh, Spike Jones. Like, of yes. course, uh, I can do something. Uh, but, like, when I was a kid, my dad had the vinyl and put it on tape for us, and I mm-hmm. must have listened to it thousands of times. That's like, awesome. we, I would take it on camping trips. Like I would play it in my tent mm-hmm. on like a big giant tape player, and then when Walkmans, like the proto Walkmans came out, I had one of those, and I would just yeah, it was constant. So, <laughs> is one of those things where I, when the one time we talked about it previously, uh, we didn't get, go into a whole lot of detail because the guy was not a stand up, he's not a comic, he's not a comedy writer per se, he was a screenwriter. Oh okay, so it doesn't mean you're a comedy writer necessarily. Well, let's totally get into the comedy mechanics of this one hundred percent. The one thing that that probably that most people growing up at least as a kid if they don't know anything about canadian content rules is that that's where the whole fucking joke comes from and that they pull so much out of it and that it still works yeah. for an american audience big time well yeah because there's so many inside canadian references and it is a parody of dumb canadian people mm-hmm. but like it's mostly just a parody of dumb people like, mm-hmm. it's mostly just like here are the two stupidest human beings who could possibly be on television right so do you remember the first time you heard the album uh no I, my memory is really bad okay it's like i i have the worst memory but i do want to guess that i probably heard it right off the vinyl like the first time but then i wanted to listen to it more and you know like most homes where there's kids and like a record player it's the most awkward thing in the world to like go listen to a record sure like, nobody wants to hang out with their parents that much as mm. a kid mm-hmm. so like 
I, rem I think I've made the transition to audio tape pretty fast. Like, it was like, oh, I listen to that again. Can you, like, make a tape of it? And yeah. my dad was like, okay. And then I never listened to the vinyl again. That I own sense. it now, but I don't. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have it on vinyl now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. not, not, not a lot of my guests, most of my guests are like, yeah, I used to have it on vinyl, but now I download everything. I, I listen to it so much. My dad made a point of getting it for, like, my birthday, like, a couple years That's ago. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Uh, yeah, I mean, even the, the last guy, I had to give him my copy because he didn't have one. So, I'm like, oh. do you own this? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, here you go you can keep it because yeah, oh no, why not it's, it's, it's important so, it's so good it's 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 so stupid but mm -hmm. i don't think there's any arguing that it's funny did i give you a bad mic stand that fucking thing it's okay so i'm sad. tall that's the only thing you, i think you are it, tall it slides down a little right 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 well this was doing that anyway uh <laughs> so i had a, an intelligent question i assure you um did you watch sctv is it good yeah totally okay. it was so it wasn't just pbs an and mm -hmm. okay uh, I don't even know what the run was because that's not something that I was watching growing up. It was more something my parents would tell me. Oh, you know, there's this funny thing. They'd tell me about the movie Strange Brew, and I didn't really get to watch any of oh, this stuff. So it was weird because my parents were huge nerds, just huge comedy nerds, mm -hmm. huge, huge uh, indoor people, and they, my dad especially, really wanted us to not overdose on pop culture and bad influence pop okay. culture, okay. but. He let us watch a lot of like Monty Python and SCTV on PBS when we were real young. I was born in 78, so this was in, I think, rotation with Python on PBS when I was like, you know, five, six years sure. old. And he's, he didn't care about that stuff. I think he thought comedy was a little different sometimes, as long as it wasn't mean spirited, it yeah. didn't matter, like if it was disturbing. Yet I couldn't watch a lot of other stuff. Sure, sure, sure. So. I remember being, yeah, real little and getting to see a lot of SCTV. And then um, when I, it got to the point where it was clear that even though I was a little kid, I really liked it. My dad was like, oh, well, they made this movie. Do you want to see this movie? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, of course I want to see this movie. <laughs> and and then I eventually heard the album, and it was real simple. It was like my dad just told us, he's like, you hear how they do a lot of dumb mistakes, right? <laughs> like they almost die like right. every five seconds. They almost you know they they sound stupid like mm -hmm. you're, you know how you can tell like you're seven and you're smarter than these yeah right two adults <laughs> uh that's because they do so much smoking and drinking like mm -hmm. it was that simple like like <laughs> if you can explain that to a child yeah, they're, yeah. they're old enough for bob and doug mckenzie yeah that's absolutely true so i think this is like the perfect album for like a smart like eight-year-old that's so good I, I i i've never heard anybody tell to give me the same kind of story that I got from my parents, which was like, they'd walk you through it if you didn't get it, or they'd yeah, explain they were, comedy to you. That's fucking great. My dad was obsessed with us being negatively influenced by MTV. Yeah, and, I can understand uh, that. And, and like, just like be becoming horrible adults. And yeah. so, like, he really obsessively explained it to me. And uh, I did think beer sounded really fun because sure. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, so it has magical powers? <laughs> like, did you see Strange Brew? I've seen it only once. Only once? Okay. Yeah. I love that movie. I haven't watched it a lot as an adult, but it has one of the single most funny things I've ever seen in any movie to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's one moment, and I've already talked about this on my podcast before, but I'm so obsessed with this moment. It's on YouTube. But their dog, uh, Hosehead, mm -hmm. gets really drunk. Uh-huh. Later in the movie does some crazy, crazy things. But one of the things they show to build up that, like, Hosehead's going to get real insane and, mm -hmm. like, nuts is um, the police, I think, go looking for him. Mm -hmm. Or they, they're looking for Bob and Doug at their house and no one's home. Uh -huh. They, like, knock on the door. I forget why. But uh, I think it's a computer disc. 
goes mm-hmm. head drops it on the stoop right in front of the cops. He's on the roof. Uh-huh. He's drunk uh-huh. on the roof. And the cops look up to see who dropped the computer disc. And you see, I don't know how they shot it, how it made it in the movie because it looks so bad, like mm-hmm. lighting-wise. You can barely see him. But Hosehead, in what's obviously reversed film footage, uh-huh. rolls up log roll style up the roof and off the other side. Like, so you can't see. Like He disappears into the like backyard part of the roof. But they just, it cuts from the cops looking up confused to the roof of the house where this dog log rolls up a roof and then oh like God. disappears silently. And like, that was so, like, right. Like the visual is so stupid and funny of just oh, like, fuck. I just, I loved that it must've been in the script and it must've been so hard to film. Oh, 100%. I don't know. How, and the, and it's so dark. They you don't can get barely it the see end it. of the day. Right. Like that's how yeah. it must be how it the, happened. The hardest <laughs> shot is like, like there's a shot where a cape grows out of hose head and he flies away i bet that was easier to shoot than a dog log rolling backwards up a roof holy shit uh which oh god it was so funny but uh yeah i mean i uh, that look oh, that beer does that okay you're right <laughs> that's the weird thing too is like where do you go from these two guys just sitting on a couch being drunk as fuck and super canadian and that's where they chose to go it becomes like insanely su- not supernatural but just like surreal and that's the word i meant they were just such good comedy writers sure and it, have you seen the backstory about like how this happened uh, so like only i we probably discussed it last time the i, I think it was uh is it cbc the canadian mm-hmm. the network that they would have been on but they i think said you need like more canadian oh yeah the canadian stuff, stuff. yeah the, yeah exactly so then they just did this as filler and then it was the most popular thing on sctv and they got angry about it mm-hmm. but like that was one of the things like you you would you know sometimes they would be like oh we're so proud of these characters like mm-hmm. we love these characters sometimes they'd be like can't believe like all the writing we did this is what took off but that's what i love about this you listen to it and like so much stupidity is happening but uh-huh. like they still like throw in big words under their breath sometimes right. and the pacing is really fast mm-hmm. sometimes when they need to get out of a dumb joke right so like they know how to take advantage of this dumb hand they've sort of been dealt by fate of like if you put this album out it guaranteed it will be the number one album in canada yeah guaranteed it will be nominated for an emmy mm-hmm. or not emmy uh uh, uh grammy. What, grammy yeah what do, they, what do they call them <laughs> sound emmys but like uh it, it's it was it was it's great in that there's all sorts of sort of Easter eggs if you listen mm-hmm. for just like like they'll call, like they'll use the word torment I think multiple <laughs> yeah, times. yeah out of out of out of their mouths that kind of shit is like really unexpectedly funny but then every track is like a long pause someone burping and then <laughs> Rick Moranis going okay like that's like almost the beginning of every track this weird awkward dumb person staring into a microphone thing mm-hmm. and it's another one of those albums there are a few like this like kind of like uh monty python's the holy grail album i don't know if you ever heard that probably it's very it. much the same thing in that it's commenting on the fact that they're making an album and that's yeah. what i love about this it's that it's taking it's 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 at a time period when albums were still a thing and using the medium to just like you couldn't do it there's a lot of like weird radio theater in yeah this yeah album. yeah i um I love the sound effects thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, th- and this was so fun to listen to alone in a tent in like the Michigan wilderness. Like, like when supposedly Doug is doing the sound effects off <laughs> and like in the beginning it's real stupid, but then all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's stupid. But 
there's massive amounts of editing going mm-hmm. on and like mm-hmm. echo effects and layers and you're like he's but 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 Bob keeps acting like he's doing it sitting right next to him right. and you hear these like complicated mortar and <laughs> and so that's the thing like you'd hear like these excessive layered explosions and stuff mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you know he would do that uh, he does that sound effect where he goes which just sounds like strafing machine gun mm-hmm. fire on the ground right but then Bob says oh a minefield. <laughs> it's like clearly not a minefield, right? A minefield would just be like more explosions. More explosions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's strafing gunfire. He's, oh, a minefield. Like, it's so stupid. But so much work went into strafing machine gunfire sound editing. Like, yeah. I love I loved the, even as a kid, like how many times I would go to my dad and be like, so I'm not crazy. That didn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense what I just heard. And, no, that's supposed to not make sense. The Star Wars references. I love being yeah. seven. And knowing they were fucking up Star Wars references right. on purpose. <laughs> when he he calls uh, what is he? Hey, Darth. Uh, he's like Darth Vader. Get away from there, or I'll phase you out. And he calls. Right. It, he's like, I'm gonna, he's going to do an authentic Star Wars sound effect. Do your phaser, mm-hmm. and then it's like a a weird laser sound that's from nothing. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like any. Yeah, like there's so many moments where you can. Uh, here they did a lot of complicated, and then the um, I mean, sorry, I just spilled water all over <laughs> your okay. nice carpet. It's really all right. Uh, but uh, yeah, like uh, I also think it's weird how much echo of, is echo effect like the only in studio effect you could do in 1983. Or yeah, whatever? probably just about. It has to be, huh? That's it is everywhere. Uh, the whole thing is very echoey, right? Mm, yeah. No, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it until you just said that, but yeah, that does make sense. It sounds like it was in. It was the whole thing was recorded in like a an abandoned VFW hall. There's this weird <laughs> sort of empty bowling alley. Like I know, it does not feel like it was recorded in an actual studio. Right, which then makes the editing kind of like, oh, you did some editing, but then yeah, it goes back and forth between a heavily edited Getty Lee from Rush like right. song, and then them <laughs> just like where what weird. Just yeah, like hotel room. Did they record this in? It it uh, it does feel very. I probably said this last time, but it feels very much like a. It's kind of like it is also same with the Monty Python thing. It's kind of like not necessarily a screw you for buying this album, but well, you're stuck with this album now. Even though it's it is great comedy, there's a lot of that attitude to the way they're talking to you about it, and I I really like that. In that they're just they're just sort of like they they act like the whole album's a throwaway, even though they're putting yes. a lot of work into it. Yes. You know, like the don't buying the donuts and shit, which uh Well, and even then, like they make it they act like like um they're not agreeing it's a good idea to go to Peter's donuts. Mm-hmm. But then as they sort of are like, Oh, okay, like let's go. Like then all of a sudden the ambient noise of like plates mm. and right. like a cash Just register coming. Come yeah. yeah, like <laughs> Okay, so uh, they will themselves into this place, and that was fun uh, as a kid too, yeah. kind of as a gateway into uh, that kind of thing. Because my dad had a bunch of old radio shows. We had the BBC Lord of the awesome. Rings and uh, Hobbit, and uh, like the old uh, Shadow radio documentaries. Yeah. And uh, I could never quite get in because I was a little too young. But this was super accessible. Sure, this sure, was sure. Like this is meant to be dumb. This is funny because yeah. it's too. Uh, drunk people yelling in a donut shop. There's not a lot of like science fiction to this yeah. uh, fantasy element. So uh, 
I, it's it's kind of um, it holds the whole thing holds up really well, right? Yeah, it does. Other than they make reference to the fact that you could only be listening to this on vinyl. Yeah, 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 which is hilarious. But and that's but I mean they're probably also perfectly aware of the potential obsolescence. It's 1981, right? Cassettes were a thing. So I mean, you know, like they they were aware of what they were doing. That was one thing too. Yeah, I think I first heard this a year ago, and the idea that it was still that it worked for me is like that's a good sign. Have yeah. you never heard it before? Yeah. And then um so after you i mean were, were you you mentioned one of the things we didn't you you really didn't want to talk about would would have been bill cosby were there other comedy albums you were you were given i mean we can talk about bill cosby we can but i'll tell you like i've had people say you know i'd love to do a cosby album i'm like cool but you you understand we have to address it for a long time if we're going to talk about it i'll like it's one of those things where you can't not like yeah it's i just so hard and then, and and uh I, for, I think i said this before you turned the recorder on mm-hmm. but i think it would have to be the most angry yeah th- i don't understand people who go on long facebook post speeches about how you separate the art from the artist i have a problem with that too okay so here's a guy who definitely raped dozens of people uh-huh uh, I think basically it's about 50 at this point. People yeah. love to say over 20 or something at this right, point, but right. it's so high. Yeah. Did it for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, the better half of a century, this man was doing horror. Uh, and you, it changes your perception. I mean, like, like yeah. I think what I, I can say I took away from it was at a very young age, I was, I, you know, I was lucky enough to live in a neighborhood where I played with black kids and, mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like that was an other part of the world. Yeah. Uh, and this was like a very easy gateway into, oh, you know, there's there's Steve Martin, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Cosby. Just because someone looks different doesn't mean they're not exactly sure. what you should be. And that was nice to have at a very young age. Yeah, I can uh, see that. But uh, yeah, man, I holy shit. Mm-hmm. That, that changes so much. I don't know how you could listen to any like moment because so much of what he did was about confidence and owning the stage and pauses and long stories how could you not read into that confidence in the worst way yeah yeah his whole stage presence is has got some sort of uh ironic smugness to it Mm -hmm. which is totally legit way to do comedy but now that smugness if you don't see it for what it is now Mm -hmm. uh don't know how to communicate with you about comedy right you know 100 percent. like i've i've buried all my cosby records i've I'm holding on to them for now because i do still love the work but I, it is impossible for me to separate yeah, you know i know i don't want my daughters to find them no i get that i completely get it and i i mean my friends just bought me a bunch of records for my birthday and i'm like it's a bunch of cosby in there and i'm like all right thank you I'll, I'll give them a listen yeah because it's a gift thank you very much but it's it's like what am i supposed to do it, chuck him, man. I say chuck him. You know, it's still worth studying for me. <laughs> you understand? Like, uh, like uh, if only because that's what I do. Well, beyond that, though, may I? May I? And feel free to delete this if you disagree with me on a no, fundamental no, level because I don't know you well enough to not, tell you how to I'm run. I'm not going to delete anything. This is run your fandom, but uh, it's all on YouTube now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can find it all on YouTube, and oh, I think sure. what what especially you're doing with vinyl is so much about the craft. Mm-hmm. I think symbolically. Yeah. Uh, this man does not deserve uh, mm. even the silliest of aesthetic reverence. Oh, for sure. No, I can I, I can appreciate so, that. I, I I also feel like there's something very unique about this situation where he's one of the most famous people alive. Yeah. And he'll probably never pay for his crimes. Right. So there's something sort of poignant to me about 
letting him be as irrelevant and uh and a mediocre punchline as possible oh for sure he's still around so oh yeah no i i agree it was one of those things too for me like again i i'm obviously not the victim here but you grow up thinking this guy's your other dad like quite literally sure you know and then that's oh well sure. great that's, but that's downhill it felt real good to throw that one in the dumpster without any ceremony whatsoever sure sure, sure. <laughs> immense amounts of pleasure mm -hmm. just walking I mean, away from that dumpster they're not doing me any good sitting behind a bunch of records where i can't see them anyway so yeah no i you make that shit would haunt me a like point. a fucking like celtic mythology demon in a weird cauldron in an abandoned house in the middle of the wilderness of ireland like i couldn't handle that shit it would that would be i can't have it in my house yeah. it's not even about my kids finding it yeah. i think you know uh i'm one of those people who gets really passionate when i talk about stuff i get kind of like lit up and kind of yeah kind of vibrating mm -hmm. and it's because i care so much about comedy like some i don't even get mad but i'll look mad because of how wound up i get yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I think little stuff, just like hearing people po like, oh, oh, did you see what I posted on Facebook about, about how you shouldn't go off about Cosby? Like, <laughs> all right, well, yeah, I mean, who needs an advocate more? Yeah, right. I don't know. I, right. I, I think um, we live in a strange world where comedy is being taken very seriously. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd like to be on the right side of taking it seriously when so many people are... Mm -hmm. uh, exploiting that that element of comedy and uh taking it seriously in a way that devalues it yeah and breaks it uh until it's not comedy anymore i think you know one one way we can take comedy seriously and sort of prove to people who are scared of comedy it's worth keeping around mm -hmm. this this genre known as uh, levity yeah uh is to say yes i care about it so much that i will uh will let him rot in a landfill yeah no and i can respect that i absolutely 100 percent respect. yeah that. and I, I i yeah like i said i don't mean to tell you how to you're not no to, you're not how to be a fan it's just oh oh heavy stuff oh yeah 100 percent. so speaking of the stuff you let your kids listen to mm. have they listened to the great white north and when is old enough they're no, too young right not, they're, they're too young they're, they're, they're seven and four okay and, yeah, um, yeah 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 and uh, my oldest is the more sensitive of the two. I think she wouldn't, okay. she wouldn't quite know what to make of it. And, yeah, I mean, as a comedian, I don't know if I'm in a real rush to let my children discover comedy as a, <laughs> like a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like, they, they like what they like. And I... Um, I I don't I don't think you should leverage your stuff on your kids. Let them be sure. curious. Like, sure. my daughter got got aware pretty quick, my oldest, that I liked Star Wars and was really, like... Oh, can is there anything Star Warsy I could look at? And is eager to okay. absorb it. Sure. But then when it comes to comedy, it's like, well, there's no action figures, so you tell me what you're yep. interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, see, that makes sense. I mean, that's the thing about comedy too. Well, you can be introduced to it by your parents, but it's a different thing. Of course, your parent is a comedian themselves. I mean, that's uh -huh. that and would I, be a huge difference, I guess. And I and I I'm glad my parents introduced me to that stuff at a young age. But I think there's something. Like, like, have you ever tried to get someone really close to you mm -hmm. <laughs> into mm -hmm. something you loved yeah. and they were completely disinterested 100%. and it is the most dramatic emotional thud. <laughs> yep. 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 That yeah. You can feel, um, <laughs> it is, I would argue such a thud that it is not a noble fight. It is not, it is not, uh, it is not great. Mm hmm to 
get that home run once in a while because when you strike out it's like the longest most echoey chamber Mm -hmm. of lack of appreciation makes you question everything that you thought about in the first place i mean if you're an insecure person like myself well and and also if you've ever seen a child be indoctrinated into sports since they were old enough to wear Uh like a chicago cubs onesie Uh there's something infinitely gross to me about that Uh uh (laughs) where it's fine i don't i don't but I've seen so many people do it. Like, if any of yeah. my friends were to hear this podcast and be like, is he talking about me? No, everyone does it. Yeah, 100%. Super do. I get doing that with your kids, but I also, I'm so excited to find out who my kids are. Yeah. That to me, like, being like, hey, want to listen to this 32-year-old record about drunk Canadians eating bacon? <laughs> uh, it's like... I don't, so much has come out since then. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost more excited to learn from them what's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can respect that. I, that makes that makes perfect sense. I mean, it was making me think about that as well because, like, much as my parents might have introduced me to stuff, the more I think about it, the more it's like this shit was just sitting around. And if I discovered it, I discovered yes. it, and that was yes. great. Like, I don't know that I would have listened to Carlin if my parents had pointed. I, I can't remember, but they, you know, I mean, it was mostly like Carlin comes this. up twice in your life at least. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I'm trying to think. Did my parents? I don't know. It was mostly movies with us. Is this shit that they're we're watching this, so you can watch it if you want. Yeah, and uh, you know, yeah. I think there's going to be times where I'm I'm proud to have introduced my kid to something, but also, mm-hmm. how often do you go? Super cool how my uh, my parents introduced me to uh, Rush, <laughs> or you know, like I I, I look yeah. back, I'm like I'm like trying to remember all the eight tracks my parents owned mm-hmm. and how much that makes me cringe to oh, even yeah. like think of like a three dog night like, <laughs> eight track in the same room as me sure. and just how dusty it felt even when it was like a month old and like. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I look forward to introducing my kids to good comedy, but I don't want to use it as a way of introducing cultural phenomena to them. Mm-hmm. There was something also kind of weird um, about being a parent, where you just like, oh, what if I let them discover the universe mm-hmm. in a as it comes kind of way? I don't know. I I don't want to be a puppet master. Yeah. I, it feels weird. It's so weird when you're actually a parent, like like that process of going like, hey, uh, there's this real cool thing called blank. Like, I can't do it. Yeah. It's not my personality. I think that's just no, the thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't have it in me to be like like a culture dealer. You feel like a commercial at that point. I, I can see that. I tried getting my kids into a few bands I like, and it was like my oldest daughter loved three bands mm-hmm. for a year and wouldn't stop listening to them. And then I was like trying to introduce her to more. And she's like, no, I just like those three. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, but it was just cause it was the first three. Like it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. trying to like find a way, like, like, okay, she likes wild flag. Well, she likes Sleater Kinney. Nope. Just wild flag. <laughs> Keep Sleater Kinney away from me. I just like wild flag. Like it, it was like, Oh, okay. So you, you, you liked that. I wanted to be a part of it, but not necessarily like the, the, I don't know. Like, I think she was trying to please me to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Yeah, and I don't need to no. trick my kids into <laughs> making me happy. Like, let's just be be real in my house. I keep wondering if only because I I don't know and haven't really ever asked this question. Most of the people who I have on this show are either comedians or work on comedic stuff. I don't know if we're exposing ourselves to more comedy than other kids are or not. So I just wonder, like, did by listening to this album was that just part of you obviously educating yourself or was it just part of life was it just part of something that was there just another piece of culture for you 
or was it obviously another? It was step? actually great. I mean, like I had um, a younger brother, and then I think I discovered this around the time I got two new younger stepbrothers, mm-hmm. and it was I would do little reenactments of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Like there's pictures of me somewhere <laughs> in Natuke with my younger brother. I think before my my dad got remarried. Awesome. Yeah, just like, and, and I would make him be Bob, and I would be Doug because he was the bigger asshole, <laughs> and we would, uh, I would make him try to, like, I think we did like video, like like early uh-huh. '80s like film of us trying to go through stuff, and uh, I knew it was comedy, like yeah. I wanted, to, but I wanted to, it was so dumb, I felt like I could just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so we're just gonna be Bob and Doug McKenzie, and I would try to go over stuff. Uh, and we did audio tape after audio tape of it too. And like, <laughs> there's a lot of tape somewhere of either in a landfill or my dad's attic of like just me being verbally belligerent towards my younger brothers <laughs> and mm-hmm. then being just young enough to like not be offended, but also have no idea what to do with it or like to do a joke that wasn't like in tone with Bob and Doug McKenzie and me getting kind of like irritated right. with it. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. One. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a dick. <laughs> And um, I was a real dick older brother. Hey, let's go. Let's go record a comedy tape. What are you doing? That's yep. not. Oh my god, that's exactly that's not my that's life. not in line with Bob and Doug. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I felt like this was comedy, and and I was really cool lining that up with the fact that like SCTV was on the same channel as Python, and seeing mm-hmm. them as a world, and how weird this was. You could tell that Bob and Doug McKenzie was a, the goofiest, strangest thing to have, like, a famous band on. I remember asking my dad uh-huh. who Rush was. Yeah, and like, yeah. Like, who's Getty Lee? Why should I care? And my dad being like, it was a really famous Canadian band. And I'd be like, I... So why are they talking to these weird, drunk idiots? <laughs> oh, it says there's a joke about how his lawyer, or their lawyer got him to do it for 10 bucks. And I was like, well, I heard it, but I still don't understand <laughs> right, how this right. is popular. And it gave me a lot of hope, I think, when I was a really lonely kid of, like, oh, the dumbest, weirdest, quirky stuff can somehow rise to the top with the expensive, showboaty yeah, bullshit yeah, yeah. parts of media and culture. And that was, yeah, I mean, I think a big reason why I got into improv and sketch, like, right when I was 18, mm-hmm. because uh, I was really excited to be a part of it. Granted, there was a long period there from, like, age 12 to 18 where I was just sort of, like, doing whatever I could to get by uh, mm-hmm. because of hormones. Sure. But um, yeah, I really, really, really wanted to do that kind of thing. I mm-hmm. mean, I thought there were amazing periods of SNL, but they never put out like an like a comedy album where I felt like it was just two guys in a room right. dicking around yeah, and I could yeah. imitate it. And like, I never was into impressions that much, but I felt like this was like, oh, this is, again, two dumb people talking. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's the other thing too is like again it's not an actual again it's not a waste of vinyl but I love the feeling that it is just like these two guys fucked around again that's how it feels for forty five minutes it's committed there's art it's 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 given to you you've got this piece that feels like it was custom made for you because it's so freewheeling feeling anyway and it's it's interesting how it's it's uh, I believe because uh, I just checked it this morning it was eighteen tracks. Mm-hmm. And I would say, like, three or four are heavily produced. Yep. Like, took a lot of effort, mm-hmm. maybe some money. And then there's at least, like, another three or four that are nothing but, like, burps and confused <laughs> non-jokes. Yeah. Like, just, just, like, three, four minutes of just people going, wait, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's it. Like, maybe you hear the sound of someone lighting a cigarette. Uh-huh. And, like, someone sprays the other guy with a beer. And he's like, oh, no! And then that's the whole track. And, um... 
I like that it's mixed up that way. It feels a lot like a podcast sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, like, oh, it yeah. feels like 100% it does. because of how casual it is, it seems a lot like what people actually do with podcasts now, just really mm-hmm. quirky, aggressive, <laughs> but patient and dumb kind of audio theater. Uh-huh. The other thing on top of it, too, is that we've got, and we didn't, I didn't talk about this at all last time, is the fact that Dave Thomas and Rick Moranis are brilliant actors on top of just being brilliant comedic actors they're really good yeah. and to put they're putting so much into this that it's hard to you can't well you can tell there's a couple of times they play this thing throughout the album where they're it takes them both entire sides of this vinyl record to correctly play the kulukukukukukuku thing on half empty beer bottles <laughs> with the that's notes. right yeah and uh they use it as a way of ending tracks. Like there's four <laughs> or five tracks. They end with them incorrectly or incomplete playing the theme where it's like, who, 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 like that doesn't sound any, like, why are they even doing this? Like, it's not good, but it will really quick. It sounds like they recorded it. And then like Bob will be in the middle of talking and it just feels like this sketch needs to end. Mm-hmm. And they'll just layer in the bottles to end it. Uh huh. And instead of, it being like an awkward cutoff, you'll actually hear Rick Moranis go, Oh, sorry. Like, like, <laughs> like as if clearly Dave Thomas isn't cutting off Rick Moranis by mm-hmm. leaning over and doing a weird version yeah. of their theme on beer bottles. It's edited in, but, but Rick Moranis still, even though it's being like edited in as a closer, had the wherewithal to be like, What if I awkwardly apologize to just sort of nail how awkward this ending is? Right. So there's, yeah, the, the, they're really smart in how they knew they had to keep this feeling like two real people, mm-hmm. two people who, if they had an album, might put zero effort into it, yep. zero thought even, but would respond to everything and react like react the way like a chihuahua would, but, <laughs> but react. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about it too. I don't uh, since this period of of comedy albums about ten years. Since I mean, again, since you could get them on cassette and then CD, it's not. There's not a lot of playing with the format because it's not as it's not an active thing, you know, anymore. I, it, this can be tired. I'm sorry, like to talk about. Oh, vinyl's different than other media. I don't know if you're aware of this, but like it just there aren't really people playing with the format of a CD. Vinyl. I wish they would. I really don't understand. Like, I remember when Adam Sandler's first CD came out, I thought it was kind of funny. And then he put out another one, and it was the same basic thing with, like, sketches and stuff mixed in with songs. And uh-huh. I was so disappointed. It's like, that. if you're going to do a CD of, like, sketches and songs, and mm-hmm. wouldn't you want the follow-up to be just completely nuts? Right. You would think so. You want it to be a fever dream, basically? Uh-huh. And it was the same thing. It, was, exactly. it, was, it yeah. was frustrating. I didn't know why you would even bother doing a second album, which was... Bob and Doug didn't. They kind of put out a sequel, I think. Right, right, right. They put out a pseudo sequel album mm-hmm. that didn't even really try to put it out there. I think it was like a movie tie-in or something. Okay, okay, that makes sense. But um, like I think they, and I didn't even think it was like an official movie tie-in. It was mm-hmm. like a fake like movie soundtrack or something. Okay. Um, but I I love that they tried to get goofy. There's actually because it's on vinyl. There's still it's like Zork. Do you remember mm-hmm. Zork, the yeah, video game Zork? Mm-hmm. So if, if uh, our listeners aren't familiar, what was so great about Zork is even though you can download it free for your iPad now, uh-huh. uh, you needed additional materials to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another video game that did this was uh, Star Tropics for the okay. NES, where like you actually had to break codes that came with the box That's of awesome. the video game. Yeah, there's like stuff to do. Yeah. 
and that this album has two moments in it mm-hmm. that require physical material from the album. Mm-hmm. It has uh, the the part where you're actually supposed to play the vinyl backwards. Oh yeah, right. and I remember I got real frustrated because our record player didn't go oh, backwards, fuck. and like my dad didn't want to let me try to manually spin it backwards because <laughs> uh-huh. he was afraid I'd scratch the record. Uh-huh. And, so I didn't actually get to hear what it was backwards until like much, much later. Like mm-hmm. I don't even remember how I did if it was the internet or what. But there's that. There's a part the the black holes part where they just fucking great. I don't think I tried that when I had the vinyl. Shit. I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, but I've, it's on YouTube now. You can okay, find it on I'll YouTube. Have to do that then. They set it up like it's going to be this big mystery. Like mm-hmm. you find out what really happened, and then it's just them. Going like, hey, Hoser, what are you doing? This is the backwards part. Oh, take off. And that's the whole thing. That's it. I that's love whole... it. But when you hear it backwards, you're like, oh, this sounds like Twin Peaks. What's happening? <laughs> Whoa, weird. I can't wait to figure out what this is. Uh, but you knew, like, if you were listening to the whole album, or if mm-hmm. you are like me and you listened to it a thousand times, just from the tone, there's no way it was that special. Right. It would be stupid to make it special. But uh, I love that. I love that they put something on there where, like, literally, if you bought it on iTunes, now you'd be like, Wait, what do I do here? How do I play an MP3 backwards? This is fucking own. Oh, do I have to open GarageBand and learn how to do that You're part? Right. Like it's it's really uh, fun that way. And then there's the part. This was fun too as a kid when uh, we I think maybe had this script. I can't remember if my dad like bought the vinyl oh, yeah. used and we didn't have. But there's a script. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are our guest. That's right. That's right. There, I knew there was a fucking third album like this. Keep going. I'm sorry. A third, there's a third album. There are a bunch of albums. There are three albums that I know of that have a segment like this. We're about to do it in our live episode, too. Uh, Albert Brooks did Comedy Minus One, where you do a comedy bit with him and George Jessel. And there's a script it came with. Another Monty Python record has a whole bit, uh, How to Be an Actor, or something to that effect. And it also came with a script that you read along with. Who did it first? Monty, in terms of vinyl, again, out of these three, Python did it first, then Albert Brooks. This would be third, but they're doing it in the most like incidental like ridiculous way because it's not it's not like a funny crazy script it's just like right. conversational <laughs> which well and and what was great about it was as a kid i don't remember yeah i don't remember if i didn't have access or we didn't care but when we would re-listen to it my brothers and i would try to come up with what is the weirdest shit we could be saying during the pauses for mm-hmm. them to be reacting to? And so that was a really fun game. You'd play it <laughs> and then just see how surreal. Because when you're a kid and you've, you've got two people who are professional comedians saying, oh, just go along with us and fill it. I, your first instinct is, oh, I'm going to sketch with these people? Oh, I got to get, get to make this funny. I got to real funny. <laughs> and, and sure, they give you a script, but then you're like... All right, I'll do that like once, I guess. You know, I'm a, obviously I want to do the fun thing the professional comedian says I should do. But then, yeah, like there's, I think, what is it? Don't you like accuse the the two of them of stealing or I think something? That is something like that, yeah. Which is great, but uh, yeah, we would do all sorts of stuff like accuse them of robbing a bank or, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking great. I mean, that's that's one way to learn improv as a kid. Like, exactly have yeah. a pre-recorded improv scene <laughs> with big gaps in it but we that's like something you could recreate with a tape deck at home really mm-hmm. easily and uh and that is yeah it's sorely missing you know i i feel like to recreate that now you got to go to people who are like they'll do a youtube video now and they'll be like mm-hmm. all right send us your crazy mashups at the end yeah, and click yeah, yeah. here and you can email us your mashup and it just sounds so fakey and markety to me like but yeah. back then like i love the the fact that this was like a thing you could not only hold in your hand but 
fuck with and make it your own. And, mm-hmm. and there's nothing really like that about just watching stuff on, on YouTube. Or and buying nobody else iTunes. would need to know if you had done it. I mean, it's not necessary every time you were to play along with something like this that you had to record it and send it to all your friends. It was for you and whoever actually appreciated the shit that you liked. Yeah. You know, it's not expected that everybody... I understand that's a big community where everybody gets together because they love the same thing, and that's fantastic. But every once in a while, it's kind of cool to love something on your own because nobody else loves it or doesn't appreciate it. You know? That's true. That's what made me a nerd. You know, that's that's (laughs) the kind of, you know, like... uh, so, all right, so this album, obviously, I love that you still listen to it on occasion, or, like, you've got it, so you can if you want to. Yeah, I'm one of those, uh, I think, more, not to brag, rare comedians who still listens to comedy, even mm-hmm. though they do comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you watch comedy TV shows? Cause, yes. Thank God. I'm just tired of people. I can't watch comedy because I do it. I hate when people I say I think that. that's great. I mean, maybe that's why I'm not more successful. <laughs> Like, maybe I would actually be, like, I would have my own fucking sitcom if I would stop watching sitcoms. But that doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, people do new stuff all the time. You have to see what they're doing so you can be inspired to do better. That's exactly what... But, yeah, it's fine. Um, What did you... Where did your taste evolve after this album? Was there something where you can clearly see, like, oh, now I'm going to be interested in this now? Or was it just... I don't know. Was it... I think I eventually became more infatuated with Python, but I was never really interested in Python albums. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. Maybe because Python was more, in my memory, my mom's thing, and mm-hmm. my dad was more willing to just run out and make copies of a thing and let us listen to it all day. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think it, yeah, it let me feel like weird, quirky, pause-filled, strange comedy was an actual... Thing you could do whether or not i thought it was ever really a, an option for me until i was a grown-up i don't know but i love that that was in my brain mm-hmm. i think that was a really rare thing because you still meet people you know once you <laughs> well in adulthood <laughs> well it, they they hear that you do this for a living and they're like no you should really do something else <laughs> you should really also be a lawyer you, they really don't understand and I think the fact that there even is like people who are like lower or middle class who consider themselves professional comedians mm-hmm. is a miracle. So yeah. uh, it's good to know that exists. People should know it exists. One of the great things about podcasts is even if there it feels like there's too many at this point or that everyone has a podcast and everyone makes jokes about can't <laughs> everyone in the podcast now. <laughs> who cares? It better that it be for everyone yeah. than for it to be this exclusive thing. 100%. I agree. I mean, there are people who, like myself, don't do stand-up and don't uh, make enough other material where podcasting, like my other show where I fuck around and get drunk, like, that is my outlet. This is not my outlet. This is my giving somebody else an outlet and <laughs> talking to them about their shit. Like, I I love doing it. It's fun, but it's not. But So, yeah, I totally Right, and, like, where, yeah, where would we be if we didn't have the audio thing? I think mm-hmm. it's, it's always going to be super portable. It's... How lucky are we that one of our most uh, prominent senses is one that we can enjoy without everyone else around us enduring it? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, got so many of our senses are, are about publicly connecting to the world. Audio is so private and and uh, at the risk of using a word that I think is gross, intimate, I think. Um, <laughs> it's so... It's so fun and it, it's so amazing that it's been around for over a hundred years as an entertainment source right. and we've found a relevant way to 
use it. That's crazy. And it's, I think, progressively less racist than it used to be. <laughs> oh, for sure. Right? I hope. Oh, I mean, maybe. I could Andy. be wrong. I don't listen to any racist podcasts actively, so I, I could be wrong. Oh, don't worry. In 10 years, we'll all look back at how racist every podcast is. <laughs> That's true. That is very Given true. the changing times. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Where – let's get – do you mind getting a little autobiographical? No. Or in my case, biographical, because I'm interviewing you, matter of perspective. Yes. But where did you first start – where was – when did, when did you realize you actually wanted to make comedy? Make comedy? Probably – I don't know. It was tough. I mean, you mean like as my only thing or like a thing? Let's start with a thing, and then okay. only thing. I guess I had a, I, I've had issues in my in my uh, younger adulthood where I couldn't pick what I was going to do mm-hmm. as far as writing and performing. But I mean, I was doing improv uh, on a on a long form team when I was eighteen mm-hmm. in the nineties. Right. So pretty quick. I mean, I I was really drawn to making an ass of myself because I was so tall. Once you get to be as tall as I am and you're not good at like moving your body the way your brain tells it to you uh-huh. realize you've got like only a few options and I love comedy <laughs> yeah so there you go like there's <laughs> it's what <laughs> I was amazing. made for there's no other way around it I tried to be so good at basketball I endured so many sports related injuries from just walking around Jesus. like it was yeah like const- I remember when I was on my eighth grade basketball team I was the starting center mm-hmm. I was the center I was so tall but I was so bad like they, there was just so few people in my junior high. I think there were, you know, like eight boys in my homeroom. Mm-hmm. So it was like for eighth grade, it was like, and there was two homerooms. Uh, only so many people interested in basketball, and sure. I was a tall one. They would put me out there. I jammed my fingers so many times. I'm so lucky I've only done this once or twice as an adult. But when I was a kid, I didn't understand how people weren't jamming fingers every day. Uh, right. I, this, I haven't heard it come up since I was, you know, 12. But mm-hmm. I remember being 12 and being like, is this the curse of being a person oh, of, fuck. like, every single day your finger gets mushed into your knuckle and it swells up? Oh. That was every day. I couldn't catch a basketball. Jesus. And I had – I remember my coach, like, brought in someone who was in high school who used to play at the junior high to, like, teach me how to catch a basketball. Uh-huh. And I, just could, I was like, ah, I can't. I'm holding my hands out. And this just won't stay. <laughs> and um, I tried so hard to do anything else and just because – I, when you're six five, like going through theater school, it was like, fuck, okay, I'm auditioning for Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. They only let me be the weird thug. Like, <sighs> it, like yeah. it, it was really tough to kind of like go through all the things I wanted to do and be like, I'm made to fall on my face in some way. And then, yeah, like I think this was a really good thing to have running in my head of how to make an ass of yourself, how to, how to be entertaining without sacrificing real dignity Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah who cares about even real dignity you know these guys um these guys definitely i think of it all the time i'll try to make a lot of my stand-up feel like it's got an element to it other than just a monologue so yeah you want it to feel more well you, you More than a monologue in what way i guess is my question well i do a lot of interactive stuff okay in my stand up i don't know if you if it's just crowd work, but I, I really do like to go off the rails. Sure. Oh yeah. You know, if, if given an opportunity, I will spend, you know, if I feel like the crowd would be into it, the first 10, 15 minutes of my act, just yelling about nothing that mm-hmm. like is planned at all. Just what's happening around me. And then maybe segue into stories. But you know, I, as much as I love writing short, clean jokes, I also love 
that element of weirdness and empty holes that could be filled by anything happening. Yeah. So. That's that's where a lot of people find find fear though, I think, in comedy or in entertaining in ge- entertainment in general, that gap, that space, that it's that void is scary as shit for people. Of course. But to find for that to be your happy space for lack of a better word, that like, <laughs> you know, like that's I don't know. I mean, I I've, is that what did you have a difficulty embracing that at first or was that always where you were comfortable i just i my i was just naturally led in that direction there's yeah. no there's nothing grandiose about it i mean i was a very panicky child and i had to look into the abyss mm-hmm. either due to bullying or loneliness like every morning yeah the fucking abyss mm-hmm. and like i would just be like well how are we gonna get through this horror and and it's you know uh it just happens it's not necessarily like i was a class clown but you definitely learn to be like oh this horrible thing is happening and nobody is going to fix it i may as well just find some way to pursue levity and once that goes well once uh you do it more and then eventually you do it in front of someone and once that make someone laugh you realize it's comedy you know but mm-hmm. you don't i don't think plan to go for dark comedy or scary comedy or pausey sure. fear kind of a place for inspiration it just sort of lines up that way yeah. you know like and what i think is actually fun to think about if we're going to actually just talk about the fear of the silence and the gaps <laughs> is like that i think became a hallmark of the simpsons and the simpsons gets a lot of credit for like their pause comedy especially in the mm-hmm. 90s like i remember reading a lot of stuff in entertainment in like the early days of the internet and also just hearing my friends like oh it's so great how the simpsons get so many laughs out of pauses mm-hmm. but this was happening so much sure. earlier and so much of like if you ever listen to old-timey radio on like satellite radio mm-hmm. like it's all pausey it's all weird yeah, yeah, yeah. like do you ever listen to some of the old really crazy racist shit and or sexist especially <laughs> sometimes yeah yeah i was um i was just listening to some on a road trip for stand-up and um it is. It was the most horrible sexist thing. It was mm-hmm. like one of those like people. I think forget. I'm, I'm obviously not well versed in uh, noir, but I think listening to uh, twelve radio dramas in a row, I definitely picked up on a theme of the femme fatale wasn't just women empowered to be confident with right. a cigarette. It was also like women, even when they're you know trying to do that they're manipulated they've got uh-huh. a secret agenda they're if, if they're not in the kitchen they're murdering someone there was definitely <laughs> right. that vibe and like so it, i was surprised how many i listened to the woman was the murderer mm-hmm. where you it's hear that a bunch in a row and you go oh that's not just like a like a plot device for fun that's a like we should fear Genuine what women fear, yeah. can do when we give them a, a weapon like, yeah. we should be afraid of women like there was a definite like and you could hear it in the pauses mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. You could hear it in a character who's a sheriff talking to the character who's the detective kind of smacking their lips mm. going, well, she, uh, she just hasn't been the same since, well, uh, she stopped courting boys. I mean, <laughs> when the boys left. I mean, and you know, like it would just like <laughs> let you kind of in first and you would, Woof. Yeah, total, total exhaustive stuff. People, I think, like to romanticize old-timey radio. Sure. And there's great, I think, modern versions of old-timey radio are often better than actual old-timey yeah. radio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I guess I haven't listened to enough. I usually listen Dude. to the comedy, which gets super racist, too. 
it's great homework for I think entertainment. Mm-hmm. Go listen to something that's universally accepted, but maybe not like like a, a, a favorite. Like I brought mm-hmm. up the Phantom. It's like a superhero thing. Like you wouldn't yeah, necessarily yeah. go listen to that. Just listen to some like Western mysteries sure. or some like. Uh, or just like yeah, some noir radio. It mm-hmm. is shocking the amount of like, well, there's that crazy old lady who can't find a husband who lives at the end of the cul-de-sac. Maybe mm-hmm. you should interview her. Oh, I'd hate to bother her. I mean, if she's a woman by herself, it must be so hard, you know. Like, and yeah, and not to mention all the other stuff they put on these. It's like, like, oh, it looks like you didn't have time to put your makeup on. I'm sorry to bother you, miss. And. Oh, it's, it's, oh, I didn't put my makeup on. It must have been years since I've even thought of a man wanting to look at me, you know, like, just, yeah, just, oh, and it's Ooh. everyone. Sure. It's all of them. And, um, I think, uh, what's great is we, we've evolved as a society enough to be perceptive of it and, uh-huh. and, and look at it for what it is. I think we were missing huge opportunities with that art form. Yeah. Not not meta of us to examine it. It's just sort of, not. It's like old radio dramas. So not self aware. Yeah. Not self aware at all. Amazingly indulgent. Those right. pauses were, just raw white men proud of their ability to waste time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too is like I run into in doing this podcast. This is not to crap on anybody I've dealt with through the podcast or who are fans or. Well, I've talked to about comedy and had intelligent discussions about it. There are a lot of people who are, I don't want to say apologists necessarily for old timey comedy, but that shit, like they love it so freely and without, without thought to like that time has passed. And it, it's like, I have to see that if I'm going to look at something, I can love it, but I can be like, no, that's super fucking racist too. Like I can't do it. I remember know? I was listening to uh, one of your last episodes. I think it mm-hmm. was the Brian Kiley one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't still enjoy something the same way. I can't forgive crazy grandparents mm-hmm. who say racist stuff. Right. Like, I can forgive them in that, like, I think if you're a blood relation to somebody, there's something about, about, about that genetics where you, you, you look at the way their body is shaped and, mm-hmm. the, and the, the structure of their face and you're, you're genetically uh you feel this 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 need to forgive them if they do something sure. horrifying but i also feel like yeah you need to have perspective mm-hmm. you have to examine it as it changes it's part of being alive i yeah. think the the gift of being alive is being one of the few sentient things we know of it's, mm-hmm. it's fucking it's us dolphins and octopi and yeah we're about to kill uh Kill two of those things with our our, our, our six pack rings uh, mm-hmm. thrown into the ocean, forming a Texas sized island in the Pacific. So, as long as we're the only sentient thing left, it, we may as well examine yeah. what we do and 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 learn from it as we go. For sure, yeah. It's it's one of those things where like I have to delve into it if I'm ever going to teach anybody anything about comedy. Be like, hey, here's a thing to understand and maybe avoid. Like maybe you don't need to listen to this. You know, it's it's. A, I, I I'm curious what part of the podcast it, well, I didn't re-listen to it, so I don't know what. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it does come. I think up it was like well. a. It was like some of the like Helen Keller joke stuff, mm-hmm. or like, or like uh, I think maybe Spike Jones even uh, doing. Oh yeah, like the 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 racy race stuff and yeah yeah. I just think perspective is marvelous sure context is everything right mm-hmm. and it is the biggest part of comedy is sure 
is like all comedy, in my opinion, is a comment on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you, you should be able to recognize the comment. Yeah. Not just the oh, that made me laugh. Right. Like, right, right. I feel 100%, like. Yeah. I might be dissecting the frog a little too much here, but if something makes you laugh, it's great that it brought you levity and joy. But mm-hmm. if you want to, I don't know, live your life knowing more people and broadening your perspective mm-hmm. and enjoying what is the most current version of the human experience, yeah. do you really want to like go up to your friend who's Pakistani and be like, hey, is it cool if I laugh at this joke that <laughs> right. calls all Pakistani people morons? Right, like, right. You're dumb if you do that. Mm-hmm. That is a dumb way to live your life. But yeah. I think a lot of people are eager to keep laughing. For sure. Something that made them laugh when they were eight. And they're like, right. oh, it's racist, but, well. Yeah, I'd much rather know why I'm laughing. Let it be an educational experience, mm-hmm. I think. And some people don't. People know that once it becomes an educational experience, it is dissecting the frog. And it's not sure. funny anymore. And they're scared right. to, like, to, to sign a... Uh, a contract for this joke that from now on I will only look at it right, right, as right. a piece of archival material. But I think sometimes you got to. I mean, otherwise, what do you do? You're, you're, uh, if we're going to get philosophical here, you're hopping back into the cave willingly, and that doesn't make any sense <laughs> no. whatsoever. I mean, I, and, and look at everything that's evil about the society these days, that it's all people who are obsessed with returning to something mm-hmm. else. And, oh, yeah. No, no, no. You, you can't go backwards. Yeah. And those assholes have existed forever. I mean, people have been running on those platforms politically forever. Let's go back to how it was when my grandparents were. You don't remember a lick of that. Like, that's fuck you. And it's the same with comedy. Like, I I get tired of it, and I really get tired of super famous people complaining about people being PC. No, no, you don't want to be self-aware. Fuck off. Well, I think we're in an interesting crossroads with being PC, where Mm -hmm. I think all all this PC thing means, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. all it means is we're entering a new era. Mm Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with being PC, and we have to communicate yeah. differently. Right, right, right. Yeah. And people don't want to do that, whether no. they're in comedy or not. Mm-mm. And now we're hearing comedians say, oh, I have to communicate differently, but I'm used to working all on my own and no one telling me what to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not going to communicate differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're calling it censorship, which is no. all it is. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's not censorship. It's the internet, mm-hmm. more than anything, has made us closer to our most distant neighbors. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to get to know them? Right. Don't you want to know the most different person possible? Yeah. Oh, you don't? You want to still make your shitty <laughs> joke? Right. Yeah. Uh, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Like, it doesn't I know. make any sense. So, yeah, I, I, I don't believe in any of that. I think, I think you definitely have your social justice warriors who would rather pick up a sword and stab their neighbor for saying the wrong thing. Sure. But I think that those individuals are separate from the supposed problem. And the real problem is we just got to... Like, I think people are scared of the word inclusive. They, they're they afraid mm-hmm. it sounds very preschoolery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, when you're in preschool, <laughs> you got to be nice to everyone else or you're fucked. They're going to hate you for seven more years of primary school. Right. You you learn to be nice for a fucking reason. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. <laughs> preschool. People... We're all in preschool again. They don't want to admit it. Yeah. But, like, if culture changes this much, we all have to admit we're in preschool again. I was going to ask for a second, is it an American thing because we're so self-contained we really like to feel, no, I'm responsible Maybe. for everything, but it's not, though. And we're definitely a culture of individualism If you watch English others. TV, though, have you watched English TV? I love the great shit that comes out of England, but we went to England and Scotland for our honeymoon, and the slant-eyed, yellow-skinned white man, you know what I mean? Like, the shit that it's, they were doing, I'm like, whoa, okay. Well, you know? yeah, they, they're definitely, I think... Uh, they're interesting in that they are they have so much more wisdom they, than we do but they're also entrenched in the curse of being a failed empire so it's <laughs> like 
any <clears throat> any little bit of indulgence they can do there can remind them of the power they once mm-hmm. had and and the irreverence of their own history and and mm-hmm. and, and how uh, again at the risk of using a much hated buzzword uh, how much pride they can take in their privilege mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. so we we can look at that and be like oh but they're so much funnier than we are yeah but that's because you know they have outhouses older than our entire country <laughs> yeah yeah that's why it's funny mm-hmm. they have wisdom sure but perspective is different yeah and perspective is a thing you have to hit the refresh button on every second of your life and people don't want to do that yeah but if there, if I've learned anything, it's we're all capable of hitting the refresh button. Yeah. Every five seconds, and and Gmail has taught us that. <laughs> can I can I can I thank you by the way for being one of the few people on the podcast who is at least brings this shit up so I can finally be like I agree. Thank you for being. Oh it yeah. Well, and again, it like all the time. yeah. Well, and I don't. I wish I knew more what to do with it. I wish I wasn't just slipping away from comedy and being a boring philosopher about it because i i think this is like there's a lot of comedians who are really think i think good at addressing this yeah Uh, i love like i think when um maria bamford does material about mental illness and depression and Mm -hmm. suicide it's stuff that we've never really brought into mainstream comedy and she's kicking that door open of like oh we used to just make fun of crazy people Mm -hmm. now now she is saying hey we're all crazy look out Yeah, yeah yeah Uh, there's a lot of people here around LA, like your, your, uh, Kate Berlant's, your Will Weldon's who try to like do really progressive, ironic stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they know how to do, I wish I could do more of it. I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to, but it's, it's also got that added problem when you're actually writing and performing the comedy of it's political Mm -hmm. to try to talk about that stuff. And political comedy is super hard because as soon as you bring it up, as soon as you do the, the setup of your joke, everyone's you know their anus clenches. You kind of gotta, kind of gotta surprise them a little bit. Kind of gotta, <laughs> right. kind of gotta find a way to sneak it in there. Yeah. Why? Well, but I mean, you can also do it subtly through just right. doing the well, right. Well, but right subtle comedy. is harder to do. And like, sure. yeah, like I think. I, but what should be exciting for comedians is like, okay, so now you have to be more subtle with your comedy. Boo fucking who, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh no, mm-hmm. you can't do a joke about was Jerry Seinfeld's big complaint that he can't go to colleges and do some like homophobic joke right isn't it about sissies or something probably yeah yeah it sounds like somebody who's literally never met a gay person right right or things like oh that gay person i met that's a weird character someone wrote for me before i came to that office like no that's a real person (laughs) and and um you know i think deep down jerry knows exactly what the problem is but it's it's he knows he can be funny and complain at the same time. So why yeah. bother yeah. readdressing his whole approach to comedy when he's made millions off of it? This is a guy who, when he was on David Letterman, trying to help Michael Richards apologize for saying that word over and over again. And then Michael Richards says, well, I've always loved the Afro-American people. This is, what, 2008? He's saying Afro-American, the audience laughs. And then Jerry Seinfeld well, says, hey, it's not funny. Jerry... That's hilarious. Number one, that he's that out of touch, and don't don't defend. I'm just saying he's a little out of touch. Jerry well, and I think what Jerry was, I'll, I'll give I'll throw Jerry a bone. He was okay. trying to defend his friend, sure, and he was trying to super racist friend. His, oh well, <laughs> he was a scared, broken man. I no, I I agree. And I, 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 he if, knew he was fucked, mm-hmm. and he didn't know what to say. Yeah, and he's, and he's getting old, and like I think. <laughs> I know, but it's not like he's 90. 
<laughs> if Jonathan Winters went on stage and said the N-word ten times, I'd be like, oh, he's probably got dementia. I mean, I mean, he's a dead man. So if he got on stage right well, now... Well, no, but shocked, imagine, but... like, somebody from the 1970s. Like, what's, like, one of the most famous shows, like, Welcome Back, Hotter or sure. something. Imagine John Travolta <laughs> uh-huh. said something in the 80s. Mm-hmm. After he'd already had successful stuff, he's starting to... Sure. Maybe, let's just pretend he does stand-up. Okay? Yeah. Instead of, instead of doing movies, mm-hmm. uh, God, John Travolta parlays his experience on Welcome Back, Hotter, into stand-up. Uh-huh. And he says something on stage that's horribly offensive, mm-hmm. and he tries to apologize for it on TV. It would have been fine. Yeah. Because I think media and the entertainment industry was a very similar old boys club. Yeah. He would have sat on the couch right next to Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. And Johnny Carson would have been like, hey, everybody, we agree it's fine now, right? And they would have all gone, yay! And it would have been yeah. fine. But because of the way social media handles this now, we're sure. all much closer to the truth. Mm-hmm. Denial doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And you can have a studio audience of people who might even been paid to be there, and they will still boo mm-hmm. a celebrity. Are you sure? <clears throat> if they think that they've committed an egregious thing. And I think, in my personal opinion, the only way they could have possibly fixed this mm-hmm. on a late-night talk show is to just have Michael Richards there in person with no one else defending Ooh, it, right. let them boo him for eight minutes, sure. and then just be like, it looks like you got a tough road, and have it be the most fucked up episode of Letterman ever. Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's the only way that would have... Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and even then, would it have been much better than what happened? Probably not, <laughs> but I think it would have been closer to the honesty sure. level. I think it's... The old boys club tried to rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried to be like, yeah, remember the way it used to be, where you could just have a friend help you, and you could just right. be on a remote, because you're, oh, I don't know, busy or crying or something. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. that'll, that'll We're all in this together. It'll be, yeah. We got friends, there's a lawyer here, everyone's fine. But, like, it did... The, everyone saw right through it. And sure. they booed him, even though they were paid to be there, or mm-hmm. they had traveled all to New York from across the country. And yeah. they, despite all that mm-hmm. being catered to, there's a free Letterman t-shirt under their seat. They were sure. like, oh, no! <laughs> Fuck you! And I think that's gonna happen now. Like, yeah. it's just the way we communicate now. It's not just an ignorant mob. Mm-hmm. We are... Cl- we know... That's why there's a race war about to happen with police. Like, mm-hmm. it's because you can't have an old boys club. You can't just lean on your privilege and think nothing. Why are we... This is about Bob and Doug McKenzie. What hey, the fuck so is happening? Canadian stuff. Yeah, no, Bob absolutely. and Doug McKenzie actually have a lot of really fun anti-cop stuff. Oh yeah, I'm not even kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have That's a lot absolutely of true. Lovely mm-hmm. anti-authoritarian. They 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 tell cops they'll mail them donuts if they don't give them parking <laughs> tickets. I did, no, we got into it because I was thanking you for allowing this kind of shit to come up on the show. Uh, it doesn't I wish it came up. It should more often. I think. Um, oh, I agree. We're all thinking about it. Let's talk about it. Some of us are thinking. Uh, let's all th- well, if we don't, we're fucked. Oh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the ocean's about to turn into a big sulfurous puddle. We may as well. Mm-hmm. I, I but my, what I, all I was saying when I was saying be subtle about it is you can do like the right comedy, do comedy in the right way, but also be intellectual in in that like you're thinking about what you're fucking saying, and then long story. I think that's all you really need to do. Think about well, what you're and saying. It, <laughs> if, it, and and to uh, to just from the comedian's perspective and just play my own devil's advocate sure being told there's a right way to do anything holy shit does oh, that yeah, sound yeah. horrible of course of course it, i know the, if anyone told me the right way to do comedy my first instinct oh, would no, be no, to no. give them the middle finger 100 percent. so yes. i i totally get it but I, I think if you look around you and how everything is even if you hate social media like people the reason they don't put up with it i mean and obviously seinfeld doesn't run his own twitter account or i think he might understand like mm-hmm. the world is changing so fast and it's not just a bad thing because it's different it's sure just, we we now look at injustice 30 seconds or even if you've got fucking Periscope while it Apparently, happens. yeah, immediately. Yeah. So. Um, I always like to ask people if you're going to recommend this album to people. If they've never heard Bob and Doug McKenzie, don't know anything about a- a- SCTV, why listen to this album? Nobody makes albums like this anymore. 
there's no the only sketch comedy albums I can think of that come out anymore are the Lonely Island ones. Mm-hmm. And they're all song parodies, which is perfect if you want sure. to be successful at it. And I know there's got to be a bunch of sketch albums out there, but most people, like uh, like Super Ego, they put out a podcast. Mm-hmm. This is actually like an album format that not only doesn't exist anymore, but holds up really well. Yeah. And I think the fact that they reference the vinyl yeah. so much actually puts it into a very good context. You know exactly what you're getting into. So yeah. this is, I mean, the source of so much modern sketch was inspired by this. And it's so accessible because of the dumbness factor. Mm-hmm. And they make Star Wars reference. Like, like it, there's a lot in here yeah. to enjoy. And honestly, I think so many of us listen to podcasts that are patient. There's so many, so much great patient moments where you listen through pauses. You listen for the timing of the the burps. Like, they're, 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 it's there. Like, yeah. they really carefully uh, did everything here, and it's so worth a listen. Yeah, and it wouldn't be carried off. They weren't obviously brilliant writers, but they are really great actors, underrated. And you know, oh my god, artists. is there anything more tragic than the fact that Rick Moranis Fuck. lost his interest after his wife passed away? Fuck, it know. is, it is, he is to me like the 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 biggest resource comedy has lost from it from lack of interest. I mean, yeah, that dude, it God, if we could have kept him, kept him in movies, man. Mm-hmm. If you hear, if you hear what his big complaints are, it makes sense. Oh yeah. hundred percent. They do. Do you, what do you have to promote? Where can people find you? I know you're at, I want to promote my album. I have a CD yes. coming out that you were at the recording for. I was. It's uh, October 2nd. It's called ocean of panic. October 2nd. Uh, and, and people sometimes ask me on Twitter, Hey, what's the way to buy this so I get the most money to you, the artist? That mm-hmm. is very thoughtful of you to say mm-hmm. to people on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you, uh, one of the biggest is iTunes. So just do iTunes and do iTunes also because people will actually see it if it makes it on that list of best-selling yeah. albums. So they'll buy it if they've never heard of me, more likely if you buy it on iTunes. Yeah. But, you know, Amazon, I get a decent cut, but I don't get on any any list people okay, look at that makes sense yeah. itunes is this whole separate software that people have a window of the best people for sure they'll reflexively be like ocean of pan what, what right. is this weird octopus <laughs> thing so um you know do that for me if you're interested on that level but also as only my second full-length album I'm mm-hmm. excited that i'm doing it even though i'm not super famous i'm just doing it for the sake of i have an hour i wanted to put out so mm-hmm. great art by friend of the show sarah pocock Oh, I'm glad she's a friend of the show. She oh, is yeah. amazing. She's fantastic. She, she does uh, professional animation for BuzzFeed. She's an extremely talented filmmaker great, and yeah. illustrator, and she did my artwork, so holy shit. It's fantastic artwork. And it was a great show. It really was the best hour of comedy I've ever seen. I don't think I've mentioned that on the what? show before. Yes, 100%. Well, that can't 100%. be true, but I appreciate Well, I, well okay, the host <laughs> of the show just said this, so if you listen to this yeah. podcast, please uh, do exactly what he says. Yeah, absolutely. Is it? I, I have to ask just by nature of the show. Will it ever come out on vinyl, or is there a plan to? I would like to. I will say one bummer about vinyl is, as much as it has had a resurgence, it is still a niche you have to sure. invest in. Oh, it's so fucking expensive. And I have not made enough money from my comedy career to have a few uh, hundred dollars laying around mm-hmm. where I can just like, oh, sure, I'll make vinyl. And you have oh, to I do get that. it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hundred percent. But I hope so. It, I would, I would prefer it be on vinyl. Yeah. But like, it's still cost prohibitive. Sure. I need, I need to just like. I need to just have a, a rich person offer to put it out. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I understand. That should happen. It One day. It's a One great day. Can it be, like, really cool, like, look like Bakelite, like, with wavy? Because I've got this awesome album. That's yeah, well, it's Bakelite got the word colors. ocean in the title. That's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, it would be. It's the right. Yeah. Yeah, marble one. That should happen. Um, You're on Twitter at Dan Telfer. 
Yes. Your website is dantelfer.com. Yes, but I'm mostly on Twitter. You're mostly on Twitter. I update my website once a year. Are there any shows people should, like TV shows people should be watching? Um, I don't have any booked right now. I work on it at midnight, watch yep. it at midnight. Um, I, I would love to be on TV more often. So just tweet at all TV shows that you should oh, have Dan yeah. Telfer. I've been on TV before. I, I don't know why I'm not on every day. It I seemed to go very either. well. I don't get it. So I don't know what the fucking problem is. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, is intimate better as a noun or an adjective? Is it? Ooh. I'm sorry. You, you said it earlier. If you say intimate, right? Yeah, I was also going to say that too. Yeah. Uh, ew, it's better as an adjective because I <laughs> yeah, just thought of what it would mean as a noun. And that's uh-huh. gross. It is gross. Yeah, it's no fun. It's Nobody, extra gross. Yeah. Nobody wants to. Yeah. XL gross. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for My being My pleasure. Here. It was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. <laughs>